What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I'm your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am so happy that you were able to download, listen, and hopefully enjoy this episode. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on this video. Hopefully you had a great Easter if you do celebrate Easter. I know it was nice for me to just have the day off and just kind of enjoy myself watching sports, playing MLB the show, I finished Star Wars Rebels, whatever. I know you don't care about me. I know you just want me to talk about the sports topics that I have planned for today. And yes, I do have some topics planned for today. Of course, we're going to talk about the Celtics and their epic Game 1 win over the Brooklyn Nets. 115 to 114 with Jason Tatum hitting a buzzer beating layup. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that game. I'm very excited to dive into the Celtics. Hey, they won. They were on the brink of losing. We could have been sitting here being all, oh, the Celtics just have no chance. You know, they needed to win both games at home. Well, they got one so far, so let's just focus on that one. We're going to dabble a little Boston Marathon because today's Marathon Monday, Patriots Day here in the New England area. I know really only Massachusetts celebrates it, but I grew up in Massachusetts, so I'm going to still celebrate it here and talk about the marathon. Just real quickly, we're going to dive into a little bit of Red Sox, obviously, because they're playing today at 11. Actually, first pitch is in like 15 minutes from when I'm recording this, and it's just, it's a great day. The weather's nice, a little chill. If you're in the sun, it's nice and warm, no wind as of now, a beautiful spring April day here in New England, and I cannot complain. I'm in a great mood. Like I said, the day off yesterday, my battery is locked and loaded. It's recharged, and I get the day off again tomorrow. So, hey, listen, I, I'm in a really, really fun spot right now. But real quick, I, I want to talk about the Boston Marathon. I don't want to spend too, too much time on it, but I'd be negligent if I didn't talk about it. So this year, this running of the Boston Marathon, is the 126th running of the event, the Boston Marathon. 126, that is, oh my gosh, this thing's been going on since 1896, right? 1890, is that math math correct? Oh my goodness, that is a long time. I mean, imagine back then, 1896. Hey, let's host an event where people run. I would think that people would be like, what is running? Um, but yeah, so it is returned to the springtime as we had a smaller socially distanced marathon in the fall. Yeah. In the fall because of COVID-19 and such like that. I know the marathon in 2020 got canceled and I don't know if they ever, I, I, I don't, I honestly, it's just been too long for me to remember But it's just very exciting. Marathon Monday is always a fun and exhilarating time of year to just see the thousands of runners running, spending their life work training for this event and going out there and, you know, just kicking some ass, really. Like, obviously, there's a winner, but there's no losers. And if you cross that finish line, you're a winner in my book because I know I'm never going to be able to do something like that. I can guarantee that. Um, Obviously, it would be pretty cool, but... I won't be able to do it. So props to every single person running. I know there's a plethora of people that are running in that race that are obviously physically fit, that are physically inclined, but there's also people that are, you know, physically disabled, whether it's like with a prosthetic or whether there's people with like a kind of um, a mental disability that are running. It's just, it's a very wholesome time 
of year Marathon Monday. It's a wholesome event, the Boston Marathon, and it's very, very nice to have a sense of normalcy compared to, you know, everything that's been going on in society, whether it's been COVID-19 or obviously the tragic events nine years ago, the Boston Marathon bombing. You know, it feels like everything all considered, you know, it just feels really refreshing to just have a sense of normalcy. And obviously the Boston Marathon bombing, as much as a great time as it is and as I'm saying that it is, it's also a very scarring time here in Massachusetts and the New England area for the obvious events of that Boston Marathon bombing those nine years ago. As glorious and celebratory as this race and this event is, having Red Sox baseball at 11 in the morning, you know, it wasn't like that nine years ago. It really wasn't. So, you know, as happy and joyous as we are, we do need to, like, pause and just kind of reflect on certain life events and just remember what has happened before. And the Boston Marathon bombing isn't that great for some people. I mean, a lot of people have been left with one less limb than when that race started nine years ago, whether you were competing or if you were just a spectator. You know, a lot of people lost multiple limbs. And there's unfortunately, you know, a few people, four people that lost their life that day due to the Boston Marathon bombing. So, you know, I know I'm I'm dialing my excitement back in my tone of voice. I'm dialing it way down because this is something that does need to be discussed when the Boston Marathon gets brought up. It's just, it's so unfortunate that something like that happened. And that guy is still continually on trial for whether it's the death sentence or lifelong in prison or whatever it may be. But that's not going to stop us from celebrating this glorious day and remembering the tragic events and pushing forward as one community, as one Boston strong community. And I think that is something that we'll always cherish. Like that that day, nine years ago in 2013, brought the city together and said, F terrorism, F all the haters. You're not going to break our spirits because we're only going to become Boston strong. And hey, the city really rallied. Red Sox were able to win the World Series. I know the Bruins were in their playoff for uh, push. They made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They lost in Game 6 to the Chicago Blackhawks. It's just, you know, it's a double-bladed sword. You know, one end, excitement, joy, happiness. The other edge, sadness, fear, depression, pain, hurt. But nine years ago, the city of Boston, the New England area became one. And that's something we'll never forget. And moving forward, we will carry that moment in time with us forever. As people now know that the spirit of Boston will never be broken. And that the bond and the strength of Boston is strong. Hence the term Boston Strong. So I, I, I know I was just really excited and then I really toned it down, but that's just kind of the 
the eternal fate of the topic of the Boston Marathon is you you got to address both ends of it. You got to address the bombing aspect of it. You got to address, you know, and congratulate all the runners that are running because it is joyous, yes, but it's also very painful at the same time. So you got to try to find that blend of both. And I really hope I was able to touch upon both spectrums of what the Boston Marathon really means to this area of the country. But I don't want to talk too much about it because I know a lot of people want me to talk about the Celtics today. A lot, a lot of people want me to talk about the Celtics for obvious reasons. And regardless if they were going to win or lose this game, I was going to talk about this game. So the Celtics were, you know, they started off really good, you know, very strong. The first quarter ended 29 to 28, so it did even as you could get it. Then you go into halftime. The Nets win the second quarter 33 to 32. So you're going into halftime all tied up. And it's a true bout of two heavyweights, essentially. Now, I, I know the Nets and the Celtics are completely different teams if you want to kind of talk heavyweights and superstars. But then the Celtics finish the third quarter 35 to 24. Yeah, it's up by 11, but hey. The game goes, uh, comes and goes with runs. One team's going to go on a 10-0 run. The next team's going to go on a 10-0 run. That's just how it works. And the Celtics were able to really take control in that third quarter. It looked like they were going to kind of pull away. But then here comes that fourth quarter. And just Kyrie just constantly just hitting, hitting, hitting shots after shots. I mean, he finished with 39 points in 42 minutes. As he helped the Nets go on a 29 to 19 fourth quarter run, at the end of the day, it wasn't. It was all for naught, because Jason Tatum, that dude is a bad man, finishing 31 points in 45 minutes, with eight assists and four rebounds to go for it. The crazy, crazy last play. I, listen, with 44 seconds left, I think the. I think like the Nets went up three, I think it was, or something like that. It's like, oh, you had the lead. It's how, how how could you? How could you blow this? You needed one, or you needed this one. And then you just, the Celtics clamped up. They flexed that number one defense muscle. Not just on the Nets, but in the whole league. With Tatum playing spectacular defense like he knows how. like We know he can play defense. And he kind of has that superstar mentality where he can kind of lax off on defense from time to time. But listen, he did not lax off at all. He was balls to the walls, you know, knees bent, arms out defense. I mean, stripping Kyrie, whether it was intercepting pass, it was just a really spectacular all-around performance from Tatum to really watch. But I cannot undermine... Al Horford's defensive efforts, Jalen Brown's, Marcus Smart's, and then obviously Derek White as well. This defensive team is very volatile because defense for them turns into offense, and they are a very good offensive team, a very good offense. So let me talk about that last possession really quickly. So just Marcus Smart clamping, Jason Tatum clamping, Al Horford comes out of nowhere to double team and clamp up. I believe it was Kyrie with the ball. And then they force up a three, which would have iced the game pretty much. And they miss. Al Horford comes down with a rebound. Celtics on a fast break with not eight, nine seconds to go. They have a timeout. They don't call the timeout, which was very puzzling to me. I really thought they, they were going to call a timeout. But Ime Udoka was like, nah, boys, let's do this. 
And obviously, if they missed or they just lost that game and they weren't able to get up a shot, Ime Udoka would have looked like an absolute fool if he didn't call a timeout. But where the shot went in and the Celtics did win, he looks like a genius. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, you can't predict something like that in the moment. You just you, you can't. You trust your guys. You have the Nets virtually exhausted after that offensive possession for them because they're being clamped up. They're running all around the, the court, trying to get an open shot, obviously waste some time. And they got some old bodies. Kevin Durant's not young. Andre Drummond's not young. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Irving's not young. Seth Curry's not young. Goran Dragic, not young. This team is fairly on the older side. I mean, the Celtics, yeah, they have Al Horford. And, you know, there's a meme out there that the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, DNP'd Horford because of old age. I thought that was still funny. But Al Horford logged 41 minutes and was a vital part getting a double-double, 20 points, 15 rebounds, playing excellent defense, grabbing that important rebound at the end. So where I'm going with this, I know I need I need hold on let me finish my analysis of that last play real quick. Here comes Jalen Brown on a fast break, and I do think now you know now I've had some time to reflect and process that play. I don't think Ime Udoka wanted to call a timeout because he knows he has youth, he knows he has the athleticism, and the Nets don't. You call that timeout, Kyrie, KD, they're all going to be able to get that break. They're all going to be able to drink some water, get some Gatorade recharge for the final eight nine seconds of that game but where you don't call that timeout, they have to run their ass back on the floor and go play some tough defense like the celtics did because they're one shot away from losing not tying celtics weren't a shot away from tying they were a shot away from winning so yes if the shot missed or they weren't able to get the shot up simply if the celtics lose ime udoka looks like a, a ass clown right but whereas it worked out in the Celtics' favor by them obviously getting the win, he looks like a genius. Now, how many times is that actually going to work? You know, 9 out of 10 times? I, I don't know. It worked then for them because of what I said. They have the age advantage. I need, I need to finish analysis. And now, analyzing this play, Jalen Brown comes down on the fast break. Looking to go for the layup, gets blocked off, passes out to Smart. Now, I don't know who it was for the Nets. I, I could go look it up, but I'm just... I, Marcus Smart pump fakes a three from 25 feet away. <laughs> and he gets two Nets fooled. Now, if I'm going to be honest, if I was in the heat of the moment, you know, you, you're, you're trying to run and stay with Jalen Brown. You pass it to Smart. You know one shot's going to win it. You may kind of, you know, you're not counting in your head, you know, nine, eight, seven, six. You're just trying to play defense. You see that shot go up, you're just going to try to block the crap out of it. So, I mean, I, I don't really blame the two Nets defenders for jumping at Marcus Smart shooting a three, but because it's Marcus Smart and because I've hammered him for the amount of shots he's taken and the amount of shots he's missed, and all the Celtics fans or the haters or the green teamers just really, you know, picking on Marcus Smart for shooting so much and shooting so many threes and missing and people wanting him traded. He pump fakes that three, gets two nets in the air, drives, hits Tatum for a sexy pass, and a bedazzling finish. 
catches the ball, spins. He's like spinning as he's catching the ball and hits a nice soft layup for the win. Unbelievable game. Absolutely unbelievable finish. I mean, you hate to be on that side of things and you love to be on the side of things. It's just, oh. And the killer for the Nets, right? And this is where Ime Udoka's thought process of not calling the timeout really comes into play. Because Kevin Durant was guarding Jason Tatum at the top of the key. When Jalen Brown had the ball, he went to go pass to Smart. Jalen Brown was calling for the ball from, from, I'm sorry, Tatum was calling the ball from Brown before he passed to Marcus Smart. Passes to Marcus Smart. Smart does the up fake, gets the two Nets defenders in the air, dribbles to the hole. Tatum, a sneaky backdoor cut. Completely fooled. Well, actually, didn't fool. Just Kevin Durant wasn't giving any effort. And that allowed Marcus Smart to hit Tatum with the pass and allow the layup and shot to go in. Kevin Durant was tired. He, that, that simple as that. I mean, the dude logged 41 out of 48 potential minutes. Bruce Brown, I know he's a little younger, 37. Kyrie, 30, uh, 42, excuse me. Jason Tatum logged 45 minutes out of a potential 48 minutes. Al Horford, 41. Jay, uh, Jalen Brown, 40. Marcus Smart, 36. Like, with the exception of Horford, you have younger guys on your team to be able to play those 40-plus minutes. The Nets, they're not as young. So if this game does go longer, five, six, seven games even, these 40-plus minute games for Durant, Kyrie, are really going to catch up to them. And yes, Ben Simmons is coming back potentially for the Nets. Yipty freaking do. But guess what? Guess what? The Celtics have Rob Williams coming back too. And he's probably not going to log 40 minutes uh, in his you know, couple games back. I mean, he might for all I know. He might, you know, log 40 in his third game back. I don't know. But I could see him going anywhere between 25 and 30. And those 25, 30 minutes are going to be absolutely beneficial to the Celtics defense and offense. It's going to be, it's going to make the middle of the lane, the basket, tougher for fantastic inside scorers like KD and Kyrie. So those 41 in the 42 minutes, they're going to become a little bit more challenging for them. As skilled as they are and as you know talented as they are with the basketball, it's going to become more challenging when Rob Williams comes back. As long, you know, the longer this series goes on. If this game, this series goes five, six, seven games, that's going to catch up to them. You know, say they do advance and they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, playing seven games in this series, six in the next, seven in that one. It's going to catch up. And yes, there is some time off before the next game. The next game is until Wednesday. And I absolutely, absolutely hate the NBA playoff schedules. Ow, I hate it so much. I've talked about it last year, and I'm going to bitch about it again. You had game one on Sunday, April 17th. Game two is until Wednesday, April 20th. Okay, you have Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. So you have you know two days in between. Game two is on that third day. Then Saturday, the 23rd, is game three. So Thursday, Friday, two days off, and then Saturday's the third day. And then it's every two days from that point. 
it's like I understand TV scheduling and such like that, and I, I, I get it. I just think it's stupid. Just have it every two days. Boom, boom, boom. Makes it a million times easier. Oh, I, I, it's just, oh, I know, I know as, you know, when the second round comes around, you know, there's going to be eight less teams that you're going to have to schedule. So I get it. I get it. But it's annoying. It's annoying. I'm sure. I know that I know the NBA and ESPN and, and TNT, they want all the TV ratings in the world. I don't blame them. It's a business. But if you throw eight games on in one day, you're going to tell me that you're not going to get people watching? You're going to get a March Madness-like vibe. You really are. If you have a game at, like, noon, you know, on the East Coast, right? Could be the Celtics. I don't care. You have a game at noon. Then you have another one tip off at, like, 1.30. Another tip off at 3. Uh, 4.30. 5. Right? Yeah. 1.30. 3.00. 4.30. Six, excuse me, not five, six, seven thirty, and then obviously we get into the West Coast, you know, for when those where those games are, and so on. And by the time you know that third game starts, the Celtics, uh, that first game is going to finish. It just, oh, it, I think it's a smart idea. It's something that they should try and play with because everybody loves March Madness. Everybody's tuning in to, you know, the round of sixty-four and all those thirty-two games that go on in that first day. Yeah. You throw eight NBA games on in one day or, you know, for a week, week and a half, however long it's going to take, I think people are going to tune into it. Obviously, people rooting for whether it's the Celtics, the Nets, or the Suns, or the Bucks, or, you know, that hometown team. But, hey, you know, there's an NBA playoff game on right now. Let's tune into it. You know, you might be in a good mood. Celtics just won. Like, hey, let's tune into it. I think it would be really... It, like again, it's something that the league would have to try, but I think it would be very beneficial to try it out and you know give it that March Madness feel because March Madness does good. People love March Madness. Anyways, I know I've diverted from the topic here at hand, but the Celtics really were able to step up when it mattered most, and they were able to handle Brooklyn pound for pound. But is it sustainable throughout the course of a best of seven series? I would like to think so, and I'm sure all Celtics fans would like to think so as well. Do I think so? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? I don't know. Like I said, I, I had the this series go in at least six games, and game two is really going to be the determining factor for the Celtics. Because if you go out after this crazy win, you clutched up offense, defense, everything. And you go lose game two, well, now you lost home court advantage and you have to go to Brooklyn for two games. Hostile environment, lost home court advantage. It's going to be tough. But if the Celtics can win game two and go to Brooklyn up to nothing, then now you know we're looking a little different. You know, the, the, the series looks a little different at that point because, okay, all the pressure is on Brooklyn because they cannot allow the Celtics to win the next two of five games. So, and the Celtics can't lose the next uh, four of five games. So, it's just, I, I want to believe in the Celtics, and I, I still do. Listen, I, I do. I believe in this team, and this game one was a crucial 
moment in this Celtics season, being able to go out and capture this win. Because if they lost, giving up home court in game one, then everything you've done in this season, I don't want to say it was all for nothing because, you know, the the series is long. You can still go out, win game two, game three, whatever. But it would have really took a hit this season. It would have really took a hit. Like I said, I think the Celtics need to get at least to the Eastern Conference Finals for this season to be somewhat a success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, listen, I've talked about this before. All the teams here in Boston have championship aspirations. The Red Sox do. The Bruins do. The Celtics do, obviously. And the Patriots. If it's not a, cha- if it's not a World Series, a Stanley Cup, NBA Finals, or a Super Bowl championship, the season was a loss. And I still believe that. And yes... You know, this area of New England has been spoiled for, you know, two decades with championships. Fair enough. But that doesn't mean you still can't have that competitive drive and want to win a championship. I would like to think that every team out there has that competitive drive and wanting to win, whether it's the World Series, the Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, or the NBA Finals. Now, yes, there's teams out there that just plain out suck, like the Detroit Pistons. Garbage team right now. I don't think, you know, they had... NBA Finals aspirations at the slightest bit. I would like to say the same for the Baltimore Orioles in baseball. So there are a few teams out there that are willingly admitting that they are rebuilding and that this year isn't their year. But hey, we're looking for next year. But the Celtics aren't one of those teams. And I don't think the Celtics have ever been one of those teams. I think the only time the Celtics were one of those teams was the very first year after they traded away Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And they still made it to the playoffs. They were like the eighth seed, I believe. And they still made it to the playoffs. And was it make it to the playoffs and lose in the first round as an eighth seed? Or be, you know, one of the last picks in the lottery? I was like, hey, just just make it to the playoffs. You never freaking know. Because that lottery pick isn't going to turn into the number one seed, uh, the number one pick. It's not going to turn into a top ten pick. Might as well make the playoffs, dance a little bit, you might mess around and, and make it to the second round. Who freaking knows? But winning at the highest level in that respective sport is the bar here in New England, here in Boston. It is the bar. And again, it doesn't matter who the Celtics face here in this first round. It doesn't matter who they face in the second round. They need to make it to that Eastern Conference Finals in order for the season to be somewhat a success. Now, things are going to happen along the way where that could happen, where that may not happen, and we will talk about it accordingly. We will discuss it appropriately. But right now, I'm not trying to get that far ahead because right now, all I'm worried about is Game 2. And honestly, you should be as well because we do not want to get ahead of ourselves. We don't want to be like, oh, you know, we could be playing like the, the, the Raptors in the second round. I don't care about the second round. I don't care about game five of this series alone. I care about game two. 
I don't care about Game 6 or Game 7. Back, you know, having Game 7 here at Boston, I don't care. I don't want to get to Game 7. Focus on Game 2. Don't get too far ahead of ourselves. Because, you know, just as much as Kevin Durant and Kyrie are older players now, they're still wiser. I don't want to say wiser, but they're still wise. They're still smart. Katie is. Kyrie, I don't know. But, you know, they, they, they know how long a series is. They do. You know, hey, we lost one. You know what? Let's just go out, win the second one, bring it back, 1-1, one, one, come home, steal home court advantage, and go from there. Like, that's what they're thinking right now. You, the Celtics, cannot afford to look ahead to game four, five, six, seven. Because right now, the Nets are focused on game two. And the Celtics should be as well. Focus on the game in front of you. You won game one brilliantly, impressively. You won playing defense. You won playing offense, rebounding, creating turnovers, capitalizing on the glass. Carry that momentum. Carry everything you did good in from game one into game two. You have a couple days here to adjust the things you did incorrectly. Maybe you're you're seeing, you know, Kyrie a little too open here. So let's, you know, help a little less there so he doesn't shoot it here. Do those minute adjustments between now and game two. I don't care about game three. Focus on game two. Win game two. Go to Brooklyn up to nothing. Put the pressure on the Nets as they go home. A comfort place for them. Make it a hostile place. Make it uncomfortable for them. Because the Nets have championship aspirations. They're expected to win the NBA Finals with Kyrie, with Kevin Durant. They're expected to do... Oh, and Ben Simmons is coming back, by the way. Which, ooh, Ben Simmons, I know. But still, he can defend, he can rebound, he can pass. Can't shoot, can't score, but he can do those other three things pretty good. Focus on game two, win game two, and then we can reconvene and talk about game three. But before I do stop talking about the Celtics, <laughs> before I kind of pivot uh-huh, pivot off of basketball and you know quickly go to baseball, I want to talk about freaking Kyrie Irving, bro. Like, can we just take a minute here and talk about Kyrie Irving and how in his head the Celtics fan base is They are so in his head, it's unbelievable. Chanting, you know, F you Kyrie or whatever the chants are. You know, sometimes it's hard to make out chants, you know, watching it on TV. Or sometimes even being at the game, it's hard to decipher these chants. And he's just scratching his head, you know, flipping them off, you know, trying to be, you know, you know, hidden, you know, trying to hide it, you know, he's, you know, the crying faces and all that with the gestures, you know, making a shot and then flipping off some fans as he goes down the court to play defense. It's like, bro, we are living, we are living in your head rent free. Now, again, the same thing with Ime Udoka not calling the timeout eight, nine seconds left in the game. If Kyrie Irving dropped, you know, you know, performed as well as he did, dropping near 40 points, 39 to be exact, and he was able to go out and win that game, game one, then we, the Celtics fans, would look like a-holes, asshats, 
we would look like morons. But we did everything that we possibly could to get into Kyrie's head, and it worked. And he is rattled. He is not laser-focused in on the game. He is not able to block out the noise. Honestly, yes, he dropped 39 points. He dished out six assists with five rebounds. A fantastic performance. Do not get me wrong. He played an exceptional game of basketball in a loss. But that's his skill. That's his talent and his ability with the basketball. That's not his mentality. His mentality is shattered. We all know that. We're living in his mental state of mind rent-free. We really are. And do not do not get me wrong, it would not surprise me if he goes out there and gets like 12 points or something like ridiculous like that, like, you know, 13 points or something and just over the field. Because obviously every Celtics fan that is going to Wednesday's game two has now seen on social media Kyrie Irving, you know, scratching his head, flipping the fans off, doing the whole crying face gestures, and, you know, flipping the fans off as he runs down the court to play defense. They've all seen that now on social media. Maybe when you're at the game or even watching on TV, maybe you missed it. You maybe not have seen it. You know, just so much is happening. You're paying attention to do other things. But where, you know, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday day, you're going to have all the time in the world to see that. And for whenever Kyrie steps on that court, it's going to be F you Kyrie, Kyrie sucks, or, you know, just making fun of him in every way, shape, or form. And I really do think that will get the best of him. Yes, there were fans there on Sunday, you know, F you Kyrie, Kyrie sucks, you know, whatever, at the Garden on Sunday. And it was pretty aggressive. But I think it's going to be way worse on Wednesday. Like I said, there were probably fans at that game that may not have seen the gestures or the middle finger from Kyrie just because so much is going on. You're taking it in so much. You're trying to pay attention. You're trying to talk, drink a beer, eat a hot dog, whatever you're doing. It's just it's going to be absolutely comical. And I really do think it's going to impact Kyrie because Kyrie, again, 39, six assists, five rebounds. He was the reason that the Nets were still in this game. Kevin Durant, 23 points, cool, but in 41 minutes. Without Kyrie Irving, the Nets were going to lose by like 15 points. I believe that. And I do think unless KD steps up and has a 40-point performance in himself, which he can do, we know that he can, and he's done it before, and he will do it again, I think Kyrie is going to have to will the Nets to victory in Game 2. And I don't know if he can because I think the Celtics fans are going to significantly impact Kyrie's performance because he is a very fragile mental person. Okay, listen. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Let, let me let me take that back. He's a very fragile. His mentality is very fragile. Okay, there we go. There we go. I'm not going to cut anything out because you guys know that. You know what I meant. He's a very mentally fragile person. And I think, you know, he, he was, was he possibly feeding off that negative energy? Sure. Sure. But we know how sensitive Kyrie is. Kyrie is. We know how easily broken he can get. And we're clearly a problem for him. 
and I think that's going to show in game two. And I am so excited. I cannot wait to tune in. It's going to be so fun to watch. And I I hope he I hope because Kyrie's responding, him responding, is continually fueling the Celtics fans at the Garden. If Kyrie Irving was to literally just not do anything, not say anything, act anyway, not flipping fans off, not doing the crying hand gestures, not saying you know anything in press conferences, it'll eventually go away. It will. I mean, look, listen, there's bullies all the time in elementary school, preschool, high school, whatever. The more you give the bully the attention, the more fuel they're going to get to keep bullying you. That's just a fact. If you can ignore the noise, ignore the bully, they're going to get bored. They're going to stop. They're going to find something else. But Kyrie is fueling the Celtics fan base to shred him apart. When he steps on the TD Garden here in Boston. And that is why home court advantage is so crucial in this series. Because you will have the potential four games here in Boston to be able to rattle him, get in his head, live in his head rent free. Maybe force him to miss because he's not laser focused like he should be. That's the importance of home court in this series. And that is why it is so important to win not only game one like you did, but also game two as well. Because going to Brooklyn, you're not going to be able to do that because you're not going to have home court and you're not going to be able to get in his head. If anything, the Nets fan base might try to get in like Tatum's head or something. I don't know. They're going to try to find something to stew up one of our superstars. Would you be surprised? I wouldn't be. Especially if you go there up to nothing and they're you know reaching for straws because they're desperate. It could help turn the tides in the series. Because right now, yes, you're up one nothing, But I don't feel comfortable up one nothing. I don't feel like we have the series in the bag because we're up one nothing, And I'm not going to feel like that if we're up 2 nothing. Go out and win game two. Take care of business on your home court. Stay living in Kyrie's head rent-free. And I think we'll just be fine. But, wow, what a Celtics discussion we had. It was so fun to talk about the Celtics for nearly 30 minutes or so, maybe a little less. Um, wow, I, I, I still want to talk about the Red Sox, and I still will, but I just need to like, decompress that conversation and how much we talked about the Celtics. I haven't had that good of a Celtics discussion in a very long time. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a really good, lengthy positive Celtics discussion here on this podcast. I'm trying to think. I, I I I don't think I can. But before we do move on to baseball and the Red Sox, please, please, please let me know your thoughts and opinions about the Celtics and Nets game one in their best of seven first round series. Let me know what your thoughts are about, you know, Tatum hitting the buzzer beater, Kyrie, you know, you know, flipping the fans off. What do you think of game one? What are your thoughts and opinions about game two? How important is game two? Let me know via social media at Murph's Card Town. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. But if you're listening to this on YouTube, please let me know down in the comments section below all your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything of the like in regards to Tatum, Kyrie, 
game one or even game two because I would love to indulge in a conversation with you regardless what platform it's on. Regardless what platform it's on, I will have a conversation with you. I guarantee that. And with that being said, let's do jump over to baseball here. And the Red Sox have won the first two of three games against the Minnesota Twins. The bullpen, the pitching in general, has been looking really good. Tanner Houck, five and two-thirds yesterday, two hits, three walks, four strikeouts. The bullpen between Matt Strom and Garrett Whitlock really shut it down for that game yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, I'm sorry. On Friday, excuse me. and I'm sorry, Saturday, duh. And then here on Sunday, yesterday, the Red Sox bullpen and the pitching staff again pitched a phenomenal performance. Michael Walker, five innings, one hit baseball. Matt Strom again, one and a third, giving up one earned run, but that's okay because Brazier, Diekman, and Austin Davis was able to close out the game for the Red Sox as they won yesterday on Easter Sunday, eight to one, and they won the day before four nothing. And right now, the Twins are up two nothing here in the bottom of the second at Fenway Park. Uh, let's see, how do they score? I'm going to assume. Hmm. How do they get two runs? I'm I'm trying I'm trying to look at the scorecard here on uh Google and it just says Correa, one at bat, one run, one hit. But there's two runs, so I'm I'm going to assume that it was probably like a two run home run, but no one in front of him. I don't know. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh Rich Hill is on the mound today. He's given up two hits, two earned, so I'm going to assume it was like a hit, a hit. Ah, probably two home runs. Here we go. Kyle Garlick. Ah, ah, that makes so much sense now. Okay, it, it, it's updated. It took some time to update. Kyle Garlick must have hit a two-run home run. Put the Twins up 2 nothing here in the bottom of the second. That's okay. You know, it's a glorious day, long game. As long as the Red Sox, you know, bats can come alive and the bullpen can, you know, keep pitching the way that they have been these past couple of days. You know, listen, the Red Sox... You know, the season's so long, it's hard to really scrutinize or congratulate the team for short periods of time. You know, say they lose three in a row, it's hard to be like, oh, you lost three in a row. But it's been like, oh, you won three in a row. Yay. It's hard to do those things because the season is so long. The Red Sox could win today, go on a three-game winning streak. But honestly, we're probably going to forget about this three-game winning streak come June. It's just like that's how long the season is. That's how many games there are. And on – when was it? When was it? Do I have it still saved on my phone? Uh, might be my deleted at this point. The other day, I posted on my Instagram. And if you're not following me on Instagram, I strongly suggest that you do because I post a ton of great content on there. Uh, let's see. I didn't screenshot it. I just shared the results. Is it still here? Oh, it's oh, it is still here. Perfect. So the other day on Saturday, I posted a poll on my Instagram saying, "Would you rather have MLB play dot 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 eight inning games at 162 games per season, or nine inning games at 148 games per season?" Seventy-three percent of people voted for nine inning games at 148 games per season. Twenty-seven percent eight inning games at 162 games per season so that's how long the season is most people would rather have less games so therefore those games become more meaningful i mean look at 2020 as crazy as that was 
as crazy as that season was, and, you know, people kind of bashing on the Dodgers, oh, it was a shortened season, fake win, whatever. Those 60 games, you lose three in a row, that is going to be immensely impactful. Like, I just want to look at the standings in 2020 and show you how significant those games were. Uh, let's look at the AL Central, for instance. The Twins finished 36-24 and 24 that year, and they went on... They finished their last 10 games 6-4. and four. They won the division, but they were only one game up on the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland, at the time, Indians. Uh, as both those teams finished 35-25, and 25, the Indians finished the season on an 8-2 run in their last 10 games. The Chicago White Sox finished the season on a 2-8 run in their last 10 games, losing the division and almost falling out of the, the playoff spot in entirety. You know, in a 162-game season, that, you know, two for eight and 10-game stretch may not be all too impactful, you know, in a 60-game window when you're looking at a whole 162-game season. But when you're looking at a 60-game season, that is immensely impactful. Uh, let's look at the National League here, and we can see, uh, let me see where they go. The Chicago Cubs finished the season four and six in the last 10 games. 10 games, those quote-unquote last 10 games, uh, that's a sixth of the season. Okay, that is a sixth of that season, quote-unquote last 10 games. Uh, they finished 34-26. and 26. This, uh, Sh- Cincinnati, oh my God, I almost said Chicago Reds. The Cincinnati Reds finished 31-29, and 29, but they finished 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, vaulting themselves into a playoff spot. That's just how it works, baby. That's just how it works. Um, I know, like a lot of things were kind of all over the place. I mean, the Marlins—they finished the season thirty-one and twenty-nine, four games out of the Braves, but they finished the season five and five. Nothing crazy. But the Phillies finished three and seven in the last ten games, and they lost out on a playoff spot by three games to the Marlins. Well, if you take three losses, turn them into wins. Now you're six and four, and you might be in a playoff spot. Who knows? Who knows? So that's just the importance of you know. You know, a shortened season, you know, just looking at 2020 as an example, and obviously I don't want a 60 game season in its entirety, but having a 60 game season in 2020 was kind of fun. It was energizing, like a four game series. That's a lot. That is a absolute lot. And we could see something similar to that if the season, the regular season, was cut down to 154 or what I would like to see, 148. Yeah, you expand the playoffs, which you've already done, so you've already went that far but you make the last half of the season or pretty much the entirety of the season just mean a little bit more because you're playing 14 less games and you know 14 games in the middle of the season out of a 162 schedule yeah it could mean nothing i mean obviously when a team's finishing two games out of first place at the end of september it's like oh well you know if you only if you didn't go three and seven in those ten games, and you were able to scrape out those two wins, like okay, yeah, but that's hindsight's always twenty twenty, guys. Remember that. So that's you know my feeling on things, but it's still way too early for me to kind of pick apart the Red Sox for doing things bad or doing things good. I mean, they're five and four right now. They're half a game out of first place, which I don't think is really all too much of a big deal at this moment because the Orioles are two and a half games out at three and six. So it is. You know, way too early. Like I said, 40 to 60 games is a good telling point for every team. And 
from what I'm seeing in the Red Sox, I mean, it's shaky to start the season. Fair enough to, to assess that. But the bullpen hasn't been as bad as I thought. Like, I mean, they're very inconsistent right now. Very, very inconsistent. Giving up six runs to the Yankees, then giving up four, and then three, and then three to the Tigers, three to them again, seven to the Tigers, eight to the Twins, zero to uh, zero runs to the Twins, one run to the Twins. So like the pitching staff as a whole has been really all over the place, whether it's shutouts or one runs, or if you're giving up six, seven, eight runs to these opposing teams. So it's just way, way too early. But I will admit that the pitching staff as a whole has not been as atrocious as I foresaw it to be. Again, it's still early. Things could drastically change very quickly. But that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Episode number 137 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really hope you enjoyed everything that we discussed, whether it was about the Boston Marathon. Deep dive into some Celtics chatter. And then obviously, as we just finished off the topic as we finish talking about Red Sox baseball. I really hope you downloaded, listened, and enjoyed this episode, episode 137. Thank you so much for clicking on this video. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing. You can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk on audio-only platforms everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, you name it. That is where you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk and listen to every episode if you wish and i would greatly appreciate if you downloaded every episode thank you so much hopefully you have a fantastic week let's check the weather really quickly before we wrap it up uh looks like it's gonna be cold friday is gonna be 68 and sunny Uh, a little bit of rain tomorrow and you know upper 50s which is tolerable at least there's no more 30s and 40s it appears except yesterday it was really cold yesterday but have a fantastic week Enjoy the school week. Uh, if you're in school, I know you know college, you're still in school, high school or elementary school. They're on April vacation right now. Enjoy your work week. Get the work done. The weekend will be here quicker than we know it. But again, that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you so much. I will see you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you and I will always, always see you. <music>